Hi everybody. I'm going to read to you The Secret of the Old Clock. This is a book written by Carolyn Keene and it's the first book in a series all about a young girl by the name of Nancy Drew. Chapter 1. The Rescue. Nancy Drew was an attractive girl of 18 and was driving home along a country road in her new dark blue convertible. She had just delivered some legal papers for her father. It was sweet of Dad to give me this car for my birthday, she thought, and it's fun to help him with his work. Her father, Carson Drew, a well-known lawyer in their hometown of River Heights, frequently discussed puzzling aspects of cases with his daughter. Smiling, Nancy said to herself, Dad depends on my intuition. An instant later, she gasped in horror. From the lawn of the house, just ahead of her, a little girl, about five years of age, had darted into the road. A van turning out of the driveway from the house was barely 50 feet away from her. As the driver vigorously sounded the horn in warning, the child became confused and ran directly in front of the van. Miraculously, the little girl managed to cross the road safely and pull herself up onto a low wall, which formed on one side of a bridge. But the next second, as the van sped away, the child lost her balance and toppled off of the wall and out of sight. Oh my goodness, Nancy cried out, slamming on her brakes. She had visions of the child plunging into the water below and perhaps striking her head on a rock. Nancy leapt out of a car, dashed across the road, and at the foot of the embankment, she could see the curly-haired little girl lying motionless, the right side of her body in the water. Oh, I hope Nancy dared not complete the harrowing thought as she climbed down the steep slope. When she reached the child, she saw to her great relief that the little girl was breathing normally and no water had entered her nose or her mouth. A quick examination showed that she had suffered no broken bones. Gently, Nancy lifted the little girl and holding her firmly in both arms, struggled to the top of the embankment. Then she hurried across the road and up the driveway and to the child's house. At this moment, the front door opened and an elderly woman came rushing out and crying, Judy, Judy, I'm sure she'll be all right, said Nancy quickly. The woman seeing Nancy's car said, did you run into her? No, no, Judy fell off the bridge, Nancy quickly explained. By this time, another woman, slightly younger, had hurried from the house. Our baby! What has happened to her? As the woman reached out to take Judy, Nancy said soothingly, Judy's going to be all right. I'll carry her into the house and lay her on the couch. One of the women opened the screen door and the other one directed, This way! Nancy carried her little burden through the hallway and into a small, old-fashioned living room. As soon as she laid the child on the couch, Judy began to murmur and turn her head from side to side. I believe she'll come to in a few minutes, said Nancy. The two women watched Judy intently as they introduced themselves as Edna and Mary 
Turner, great aunts of a little girl. Judy lives with us, explained Edna, the older sister. We're bringing her up. Nancy was somewhat surprised to hear that these elderly women were rearing such a small child. She gave her name and address just as Judy opened her eyes and looked around. Seeing Nancy, she asked, who are you? My name is Nancy and I'm glad to know you, Judy. Did you see me fall? Nancy nodded as the child's Aunt Mary said, she rescued you from the river after you fell in. Judy began to cry. I'll never, ever run into the river, run into the road again. Really, I won't, she told her aunts. Nancy said that she was sure Judy never would. She patted the child who smiled up at her. Although Nancy felt that Judy would be all right, she decided to stay a few minutes longer to see if she could be of help. The child's wet clothes were removed and a robe was put on her. Mary Turner started for the kitchen door. I'd better get some medication and wet compresses for Judy. She's getting a good-sized lump on her head. Nancy, will you come with me? She led the way to the kitchen and headed for a first aid cabinet which hung on the wall. I want to apologize to you, Nancy, for thinking you hit Judy. I guess Edna and I lost our heads. You see, Judy is a very precious child to us. We brought up her mother, who had been an only child and was orphaned when she was a little girl. The same thing happened to Judy. Her parents, sadly, were killed in a boat explosion three years ago. The poor little girl has no close relatives except for Edna and me. Judy look, looks very healthy and happy, Nancy said quickly. So I'm sure she must love it here. Mary smiled. We do the best we can on our small income. Sometimes it just doesn't suffice, though. We sold some furniture to the two men in van that you saw. I don't know who they were, but I guess the price was all right. Mary Turner's thoughts went back to little Judy. She's so little now that Edna and I are able to manage with our small income. But we worry about the future. We're dressmakers, you see, but our fingers aren't so nimble with the needle as they used to be. To tell you the truth, Nancy, at the time Judy's parents were killed, Edna and I wondered whether we would be able to take care of little Judy properly. But we decided to try it, and now we, would be, we wouldn't part with her for anything in the world. She's won our hearts completely. Nancy was touched by the story. She knew what was in the minds of the Turner sisters. Living costs would become higher, and with their advancing years, their income would become lower. Unfortunately, Mary went on, Judy's parents left us very little money, but they were extremely bright people, and Judy is going to be just like them. She ought to study music and dancing and have a college education but I'm afraid we'll never be able to give her those things. Nancy said reassuringly, you know, Judy may be able to win a scholarship or get some other financial aid. Mary, finding Nancy a sympathetic listener, continued, a cousin of our father's named Josiah Crowley used to help us, but he passed away a couple of months ago. For years, he used to pay us long visits and was very generous with his money. 
He was always, he always promised to remember us in his well. He loved little Judy, and I'm afraid Edna and I came to depend on that for, in our plans for her, but he did not carry out his promise. Nancy smiled understandingly and made no comment, but she did wonder why Mr. Crowley had changed his mind. Josiah went on to live with some other cousins. After that, things changed. He rarely came to see us, but he was here just last February and said the same thing, that Edna and I were to inherit money from him. He had always helped us, and it seemed strange that he should stop so suddenly. Mary Turner looked at Nancy. Maybe you know our well-to-do cousins that went to stay, that he went to stay with. They live in River Heights. They're the family of Richard Topham. Do they have two daughters named Ada and Isabel? Nancy asked. If so, I know them. That's the family, all right, replied Mary. Nancy detected a hint of coolness in the woman's voice. Do you like those two girls? Miss Turner asked. Nancy did not answer at once. She had been taught never to gossip, but finally she said tactfully, Ada and Isabel were high school were in high school with me. They were never my close friends. We didn't see eye to eye on various things. By this time, Mary Turner had selected a few items from the first aid chest. Now she went to the refrigerator for some ice cubes. As she arranged the various articles on the tray, she said, Well, when Cousin Josiah passed away to our amazement, Mr. Topham produced a will which made him the executor of the Crowley estate and left all the money to him, his wife, and his two girls. Yes, I read that in a newspaper, Nancy recalled. Is the estate a large one? I understand there's considerable amount of money in it, Mary Turner replied. Some of Josiah's other cousins said he told them the same thing he told us, and they are planning to go to court about the matter. The woman shrugged. But I guess a fight to break the will would be hopeless. Nevertheless, Edna and I cannot help feeling that there must be a later will, although as yet no one has presented it. Nancy followed Miss Turner into the living room. The cold compresses help her, helped her to reduce the swelling where Judy had hit her head on a rock. Convinced now that the little girl was all right, Nancy said she must leave. Come see me soon, Judy spoke up. I like you, Nancy. You're my saving girl. You bet I'll come, Nancy said. I like you too. You're a good sport. The great aunts profusely thanked Nancy again for res rescuing Judy. The visitor had barely reached the door when Edna suddenly said, Mary, there's our silver teapot. Why, right there on the tea table. <gasps> it's gone. Edna ran into the dining room. The silver candlesticks, they're gone too. Nancy had paused in the doorway, startled. Do you mean the pieces have been stolen, she asked. They must have been, replied Mary Turner, who was white with apprehension, by those men who bought some of our furniture. 
Instantly, Nancy thought of the men in the van. Who were the men? she asked. Oh, Mary, how could we have been so careless? Edna Turner wailed. We don't know who the men were. They just knocked on the door and asked if we had any old furniture that we wanted to sell. We'll never get that silver back. Maybe you will, said Nancy. I'll call the police. Oh, dear, Mary said woefully. Our phone is out of order. Then I'll try to catch up with the van, Nancy declared. What did the men look like? They were short and heavy set. One had dark hair and the other light. They had kind of large noses. That's all I noticed. Me too, said Edna. With a hasty goodbye, Nancy dashed from the house and ran to her car.